Hello and welcome to Up To and Including Death. My name is Dr. Patricia Brewer. And I am John Brewer. And we are here today on this beautiful day to bring you the good news. Of the good news of the Bible? No, no, of the body snatchers. <laughs> oh, okay. That is good news. Whew. Yeah, we're trying to bring people into the pod fold. I've been told I'm not allowed to talk about the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, so we're watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978. Yeah. And we have a fellow in this film that we've seen before in the worst movie of all time. Yeah, here's his chance at redemption, right? Donald Sutherland. Because he, like, he needs redemption. I mean, he was really good in The Hunger Games. Um, okay. So I bet he's it. probably really good in this. Sure. We're going to be watching The Hunger Games. It's technically horror. I don't think it is. I think it is. Ooh, well, we're going by IMDb. A dystopian, for... like, a dystopian government makes kids fight to the death. Let's see what IMDb categorizes the hunger games we are seeing research john right here folks right here the hunger games from 2012 yeah it is pg-13 here is tribute so lots of things are pg-13 it is action adventure sci-fi i guess dystopian future but is hunger games a IMDb Horror. is the be-all, end-all. I don't know. Apparently, kid... Okay, so there's some kid reviews for The Hunger Games. Common you, Sense Media, no. Do we want to, like, steal from Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet to go over some stuff? I don't know. Dear Overconcerned Parents. This is from a teen, 15 years old. Space Chick 22. Dear Overconcerned Parents, I would just like to share my opinion here. To those compa- parents complaining about how violent, bloody, etc. this movie is and how it's, some, it's somehow promoting teen violence, you have either not read the books, are taking the movie at face value, or, or underestimating the teenage audience. It's not about violence, it's about freedom! Oh, oh man, that's intense. Yeah. Oh know. no, spoiler, Rue dies. Bastards, why did they tell me this? Okay, but okay, back to the movie that we're watching. Yeah, I'm pretty yes. sure this is the one that traumatized me as a child. Yay, we're gonna revisit your trauma. Yeah, there's some stuff here. We'll see how well I sleep tonight. Do you want to tell us me tell me a little bit about this film? Well, it is a remake of the invasion of the body snatchers that we watched last week. We did. And the uh, plot summary is Wait, so just so you just to remind people, why are we watching the remake right now? Oh, we just randomly chose a remake of on the random picker yeah we have a, an app that randomly picks whatever you, you put criteria and it picks one and uh-huh. we did any movie that we'd seen before that had a remake reboot or a sequel yeah and it just randomly picked invasion of the body snatchers yeah so. yeah okay so tell me a little bit about this movie okay well the the plot summary is when strange seeds drift to earth from space Mysterious pods begin to grow and invade San Francisco, California, where they replicate the residents into emotionless automatons, one body at a time. Ooh, that's really good, but we should probably do something about this dog that's losing her mind. Who's in this movie? Is that Leonard Nimoy? It is Leonard Nimoy. Uh, what? It stars Donald Sutherland. Okay. Brooke Adams. Okay. Jeff Goldblum. Wow. Veronica Cartwright and the before mentioned. Leonard Nimoy. Yes. So basically, they have some pretty high rollers in this movie. 
yeah, especially at the time too. This was '78, so well, I mean, Leonard, the... Leonard Nimoy hadn't done much besides Star Trek because I don't think he started doing. He had his TV series. What was the uh, like the unsolved mystery style? And I guess Donald Sutherland at this time had been in a few horror movies. Yeah, this would have been early Jeff Goldblum. He so, would have done The Fly. Was this a time period in which horror movies were a little bit more mainstream in that like one of those brief moments? Because I'm yes. thinking of... Because this would have been not too long after The Exorcist. Yeah, so this is a time period... So Stephen King talks about this where horror goes in these ebbs and flows. And I think this 1978 to the early 80s is like where we get a lot of the big horror movies. And 78 was a really good year for horror. Yeah, this would have been a few years after Star Trek and before yeah. the Star Trek film. But Halloween comes out at this time. And yeah, Halloween would have been 77, And correct? Jason, the first Jason yeah, movie. That would have been the same year as this. And then I think um, the I think um, Nightmare on Elm Street comes out a little bit later. Yeah. What was the TV series? In Search Of. That's what it was. Okay. I was in search of the name of that show. <laughs> it was like a precursor to the Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, okay. I really liked it. Okay, so yeah, so this is a very interesting time period where the year you were born, yep. it's almost like your presence in the world upset the Matrix and caused... It was like, we gotta make all these horror movies, this guy's coming who really likes them. Yeah, exactly. And that way, and he's like, oh, he's gonna get a wife in 85? Well, not in 85, but there's gonna be oh. a 1985 wife. And then all the really good 80s slasher movies started. Yes. And then all the the deep run of Friday the 13th and Elm Street. And did, did we put Wrong Turn on the uh, on the remake list? And, on, on the, um, no, because we haven't done it yet. On, well, we did Wrong Turn on, on the podcast, didn't we? Um, no. We yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. And yeah, so, so if we did Wrong Turn, then Like two yes. through six should probably be on the remake wheel? I have, yes, I have Wrong Turn. Okay, so that's just one that's going to keep, because if we put it as six separate things, then we'd be watching them out of order, yeah, and that it's would be just, madness. Yeah, we'll just, everyone that has a sequel or remake yeah. that we already watched on the list, and then we hit it, we'll just go chronological. I love we're, that we're gamifying our life in this way. It's uh, yeah. very fun. Yeah, let's let destiny decide what we do. Okay, so basically, it's the same plot, it's a remake. Yes. And this is our, our thing where we talk about remakes. Yeah. What do you think about remakes in general? Um, it depends. I think when it's a, a good deal of time, like in this yeah. one, I think it's worth it just because of the advancements in special effects. And yeah. Things. Just, I mean, the first one is pretty much flawless. Yes. Like, it's a really hard follow. Yeah. Like I think they'll it's have like a, it's gonna have brighter color. <laughs> yeah, well, I like I understand the concept behind it, but it is a perfect film. Yeah, some it's amazing. So, it's it's really hard to judge before we watch. Man, this. just to pause again, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is an amazing movie. The nineteen fifty six one, it is so good. Nothing is wasted in the entire movie. This one though probably has if you go by Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. like the tomato meter. Yeah. It's probably the only one that is so close to the original. Holy smokes, that's high. You want to tell the people? It's a 92% on the tomato meter. Wow. I think it was 98. 
Yeah, the, the original, original was pretty high. The audience score is eighty two percent. Yeah, which again, which I think is I think it was eighty five percent on the original. And we're still dealing with horror as being something that is not. I mean, you can see the nineteen fifty six one. Maybe there are fewer reviews, fewer people seeing it, but like actually, no, there's a crap ton oh. of people that have seen the original. And this one, because there's over 20,000 audience reviews of this. Yeah, and there's 61 critic reviews, which is pretty close. And there's only five negative critic reviews. Well, let's hear one of the negative ones to start. Because here's the thing. They've got an amazing place to start. And they've got a little bit of an uphill climb from us because we did just see a perfect version. But they have Leonard Nimoy, and they have Donald Sutherland, and they have um, and they have Jeff Goldblum, okay. so that, and I, who I assume must be the main character. But to... to- Piggyback oh, on yeah? the last one. Before we get to a negative one, two of the top critics, yeah. the positive comments, one gives remakes a good name, Ooh. and the other one, Invasion of the Body Statues, validates the entire concept of remakes. Is this our first remake that we're watching? No, we. I mean, Halloween, technically. No, that was a sequel. Halloween oh. Kills was a sequel. This is the first remake that we're watching in the podcast. It is. And I, it's it's a lot to go on. It'll be nice to actually talk about what the nature of a sequel is versus a remake because we haven't seen the full sequel. The the reboot is something that's separate, right? To reboot something and to remake something are two yeah, different things. They call because well, they use different lingo. Sometimes they'll call it a reimagining. Oh yeah, where they take the concept of that, like Friday the Thirteenth. The new one is a reimagining. Yeah, because it's not a remake of the first film. Yeah. It's a reimagining of the first three together. Which is great. I can totally see that happening. And yeah. so that's doing a different kind of thing. Now, have you seen the Psycho remake? I have not. Okay, that'll be interesting when but it that's, comes up. that's a full-on remake. That's probably the one... Shot for shot. Yeah, probably the only shot for shot remake it's like, that's it's, out there. Yeah, so we'll see what that's like. Um, what a weird thing to direct a shot for shot remake of something... By one of the most famous directors there was. Well, I guess you can't go wrong then, right? But except for the fact that it's weird and why would you need to do that if it already existed? Because also, okay, just to... Because the world needed Anne Heche's butthole on film. No, okay, here's the thing. My, My thing about this is, okay, we bring in new people, but they didn't change the time period. Some of it kind of looked like it could have been the previous time period, but like in the, what, the 60s, 70s? But the in the remake, for some reason, I know I've talked about this on the par- podcast, the sister's character, instead of wearing a dress, is wearing a sweatshirt and, and little ear pods and listening to music. And it's like everything else was almost identical to the, other, the yeah. previous film, except for that. And that's how they decided they were going to update it for the modern day. But the, the Bates Motel TV series did a wonderful job. But that was more like a prequel. Yeah. And then into the same time period. But that was done super Do you get well. to see the mother die? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's not Spoiler. giving it away. It's not, I've seen I've seen Psycho. I know. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, so we've got some really good reviews, but give me a give me a rotten one. Okay. So from Richard Schickel of Time Magazine said, This film wants to have it both ways. To have a more urbane, more important scope than the original, and yet retain some of its inexpensive intimacy as well. Okay, so can we look up... Will you just Google the word for me, urbane? <laughs> it's not that I could okay. say, like, it's not that I don't know what it means, but also I feel like I don't know that they know what it means. Courteous and refined in manner, typically used of a man. So, and go ahead and go back to the, go back to the, um, the review... 
So he's saying the film wants to have it both ways, to have a fancy, important scope. Yeah. So it wants to make it look expensive while making it look inexpensive. Oh, but the scope I thought was more of like a concept or an intellectual thing. I don't yeah, know, I Richard Scheichel like like of the over... Time magazine can eat my butt. I think he means like an overarching feel. Well, let's hear the scope. next bad review. One more bad review and okay. then another good review. From Joe Layden of the Times in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, big guy. Despite a few creepy moments and some fascinating special effects, the remake of Evasion of the Body Snatchers is a disappointment. I can understand if you're, like, trying to directly compare it to the first one, but we haven't seen it yet. Maybe it does. And there's only one other of a... Well, that's not even a top critic, so I won't even go there. Let's hear hear a good one. Okay. From Adam Naiman of The Ringer. A decade after the Summer of Love, Invasion of the Bounty Snatchers essentially weaponized flower power, hinting that the erosion of individual consciousness in favor of groupthink was as natural and ingrained as photosynthesis itself. Wow, that is pretty urbane. <laughs> so who do you think the bad guy of the original is? The, is like the original a metaphor for communism? I guess so. Is I'm, it meant to be? Or just it's supposed to be scary? I think it was just supposed to be scary. Yeah, like everyone but, in your room being re- replaced. But anybody will take a, any kind of art and try to convey it to yeah. real life. And I guess the question is, by the 70s, when you're remaking this famous thing that was done during the oh, McCarthy era... And this, yeah, but this was still like communism was coming back like right before the Cold War here. Oh, really? You're right. Okay. So it was ripe for... Uh, rehashing the old enemy if they were to remake body snatchers now what would the metaphor be it would be trumpism really i think so oh no we're gonna alienate all of our trump listeners because that's the the form of groupthink that's true because like with QAnon and stuff there's no factual basis to anything but it's just blindly followed as if like a religion do your research yeah, do um, your research. Read people on the internet who have no credentials. Yeah, so that's interesting. I think that that kind of what Hollywood would do, though, instead of actually having the balls to do that, they would use woke people. Well, because they're easy targets. Yeah, Hollywood would be like, look at all these people. They suddenly became woke and cared about things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if you want... Don't go to movies for good political. Go to South Park. I know, but that's kind of the things. Like, if you go in trying to do a political thing... South Park are the only realists when it comes to political art. Did we talk... Had we seen this, the final special when we were I don't recording so. last week? The, the Can we spoil it? Post-COVID? No, let's not spoil that. Oh, I kind of want we to. We can spoil 50-year-old movies that we... I just want to say time. what the positive message is. Okay. It's not... I'm not going to say anything about it except... I think, you know, I don't always agree with South Park. A lot of times I do. But, like, this one was the positive message was, look, we all were going through a horrible crisis, and we still are. And maybe we could just fucking give each other a break and just say, like, you know what? Everyone can take it down a couple notches and say, instead of judging everyone for their choices, just kind of, for, bo- for everything, you know, just kind of, everyone can take it down a notch. Yeah. You know, and just kind of give each other some grace and some kindness. And I love that because, I mean, it was horribly anxiety-inducing. And it's really hard to, like, when you have a position 
it's hard to be kind to the other side when you're like full of anxiety because you're living in a global pandemic you know especially when it's politicized yeah uh, something it shouldn't be when did illness become a political issue yeah weird yeah, like swine flu wasn't politicized, mm. and, co- and remember, um, like so, no, the um, bird bird flu. Yeah, they yeah, they, they, they joked about that on on um, on South Park, but it wasn't yeah. political. It was just some people being silly. Yeah. Also, also the dad, the same guy that that had sex with the penguin and caused COVID. Death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't unfuck that penguin. No. Every, every time you redo history, <laughs> yeah. he fucks that penguin. Okay, so um, John's got to shake some pills around. Yes, I have to take this. Poor John has another tooth infection. Yeah. And had to cancel his dental appointment to take care of it, and now he's got to... No, I have to cancel my dental appointment to take care of my... Your spine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Oh. It's a whole thing. But we're doing better, huh? Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Everything is wonderful. Okay, so now we know about the reviews. Yep. We know about the movie a little bit. Who's the director, by the way? Oh, I didn't even look that up. I should know this. Oh, you're a bad researcher. Philip Kaufman. Okay, what else has he done? And can you maybe tell your wife to turn off her phone? <laughs> you so wanted to I was that. about to say it about you. I was no, so my... close. <laughs> he did uh, The Right Stuff. Oh, wow. Oh, he wrote that. He wrote Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? Yeah. Okay, so this is a pretty but cool guy. As a director? Wow. Um, well, Henry and June. I mean, that's a pretty well-known yeah, one. He's done a lot of horror. Yeah. I wonder if he just likes horror. He doesn't. He hasn't done a whole lot of directing. Only 13 credits between what does 1964 and 2012. Deal? He's only been a producer three times. Writer 25 times, but man, he's, he's doing Indiana Jones, the new one. Oh, that's going to be interesting. The last one wasn't that great, but... All right, he well... Did Star Wars Origins. Oh. The Adventures of... Oh, he's hanging his hat on Indiana Jones. Well, you know what? He Someone's got to make money. Indiana Jones and the Relic of Gotham? <laughs> what? That's a short. He did the characters. He did all, so he's like the Indiana Jones guy. Well, I don't oh know. These are just things based on characters. Well, John, music. John, okay. I get it. To pause for a second here about this guy. I'm a little worried because Emma is here. And she's only eight. Oh. So I think we're going to have to figure out if this movie is going to be appropriate for her to be in the same room. Well, let's see here. For We'll look at the Parents Guide on IMDb. All right, let's check out the Parents Guide. Um, for Sex and Nudity, mm. one of your favorites. Hell yeah. Mild. What? We get to see some female buttocks for quite a few seconds. Well, but what about cleavage? Because we got to see cleavage in the last one. A clone appears nude twice. Her oh. breasts are exposed. Oh, my God. A man emerges from a mud bath. Mud bath. Sorry. His mud-covered buttocks are really So we critical. see naked ladies, but no, even, not even a naked man's ass. Yeah, we do. No, we get to see oh, his mud-covered mud ass. Oh, we get to see a man butt, a lady butt, and like four boobs. Okay. Let's okay, what else? <laughs> well, there's violence and gore is moderate. Wow, I think that's higher than the last one was. It is. You see a nosebleed. Oh my god. Stabbed in the back of the neck with throwing darts. Oh, that sounds awesome. A woman dies and her body is shown shriveling and falling apart. That's amazing. I that love sounds it. That's great. Profanity is mild. Oh. Just uh, a son of a bitch. Oh, Donald Sutherland does it. <laughs> Three uses of hell and rat turd. Rat turd? How did that make the list? One use of oh god, bastard, scum, for god's sake, shit, and son of a bitch. 
Scum and son of a bitch are at the same level. Does scum stand for something? No. Two uses of oh my god damn crap and screw. Ooh, sounds like that might have been in the same moment in a love scene. Maybe. Are we going to see some horrible love scene with Donald Sutherland again? Because I really can't stand that. <laughs> Not again. Um, no alcohols, drugs, or smoking except for taking five pills of speed to stay awake. Excellent. Oh, so he doesn't go to the to the bar. Frightening and intense scenes. Yeah. Moderate. Okay. The ending is creepy and disturbing. Okay. Far scarier and disturbing than the original film. I don't know. The original film was pre- uh, was pretty scary. Very scary compared to the first. A man's head is morphed onto a dog's body to surreal effect. Okay, that sounds really fucking weird. It maintains an increasing atmosphere of paranoia and dread as the story progresses, reaching extremely high levels of tension and fear. Okay, I am a little worried about like regressing into a childlike state because this again, this did traumatize me as a child. It sounds like it's this one. Okay, so in the movie that I remember as a child, there was a pod that put out tendrils, and the tendrils go into your ears, eyes, nose, and mouth. Okay. And if it's this one, then we might have to cut a little closer. Oh, no. Do you want to tell me how this movie did? As far as um, how they did at the box office? Mm-hmm. That'd be great. It's, uh, by the it way, went, Loki's coming by the microphone, everybody. Hi, Loki. It would gross nearly $25 million in the United States. Okay. What's and, that? Does um, it say anything about the a budget? The budget was $3.5 Okay, so that's not bad. No, not bad at not all. Not bad at all. Like uh, seven times your investment back. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they were That's pretty awesome. happy. So there was no sequels of this film. Oh, okay. This is it. All right. Well, I'm pretty excited to watch it. Are you? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Are you? You know. Well, now that Loki's here to cuddle me to protect me, I think I'm ready to watch it too. Oh well. Uh, Should we get going? Yeah. All right. Let's go. Oh, no, John. What? It is the movie. Oh, it that is. sounds awesome. I can tell right away. How far along are we? Oh, we are not far at all. Let me unpause it for a second to get it. Seven minutes and three seconds. So we just spent seven minutes and three seconds watching creepy invisible tentacles, but you could see them from another planet, get to Earth somehow, rain down, infect plants, kill plants, get on leaves, turn into flower pods, and then we saw... A teacher taking all of her students to the flower pause saying, Come, children, everyone collect a flower and take it to their parents tonight. <laughs> and then we saw a lady go, picked up a flower, smelled it, and there was a little touch where, like, they had her, like, she must have manipulated it in a way where the flower petals moved towards her nose. And she takes it home with her, puts it in a glass of water, and explains to her husband, who was just mindlessly watching the game on television... <laughs> He, she's trying to explain to him about nature, because they have a greenhouse, very, she's very natural or whatever, she knows about plants, about how this is an invasive species and it's some kind of cross-pollination and look yeah. how it's rooting, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, how about we just go to, uh, go to Vail and go skiing and stuff this weekend? And she's like, oh! So they might be gone this weekend, but she's just noticed some stuff. Yeah, They're doing some hanky-pankies. Yeah, the plant is rooting incredibly quickly, to say, yeah. too. So. But what's really interesting about this shot is we're looking at the greenhouse with the door slightly ajar, and we're seeing their slight reflection in the other room. This is such an interesting shot. Yeah. 
you know what they're doing, but it's not overt. Yeah, I mean, they're not naked or anything, but they're just talking, and she's like, let's be on the bed or something like that, reading a book about this plant and seeing how it's like, it it loves war-torn areas, (laughs) which is interesting. How does it know? How does it know? Um, So, should we keep going? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, John. Yes. Donald Sutherland is a health inspector, and he found a rat turd in someone's soup. It was a caper. It's a rat turd. Caper. If you think it's a caper, then eat it. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you think so far? Well, I think uh, I understand what they're going for. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Donald Sutherland comes back and his car has the window is smashed because he's basically told this, the owner that he's going to shut down the restaurant and it's 1978 and so, the, and so the people that work at the restaurant are like fuck this guy he's going to like destroy our restaurant where we can have money so Donald Sutherland goes to work and it looks like St. Paul's Cathedral or something <laughs> like I don't know what cathedral, dome cathedral he's in and I, I don't know San Francisco I think they're in San Francisco not just a small town yeah they're so, in San Francisco yeah so I, I don't know the architecture enough to know what if, if he's in the city or something um, but in any case uh, he calls up his co his colleague who is the woman who collected the flower from before yeah and he's basically trying to get her to come in to work super early so that she could start the case because yeah. right? she it turns out she's like a medical person like or she like examines shit that's why she knows about plants and stuff because she examines things that are found inside of uh restaurants no oh, restaurants restaurants sorry um, <laughs> well in any case uh we are we so she put the pretty flower she found in water to let it sprout that's how you get plants to sprout and so you can root them and in the morning she woke up, her husband was up and in a suit and creepily sweeping up all the broken glass. Yep. Because the glass is broke. Yep. Goes downstairs. She's like, good morning. He doesn't talk to her. Creepily walks downstairs. Creepily puts the stuff in the trash can and creepily takes it outside to put into a garbage truck that is full of dirt. Yeah. That is waiting for him in the road. Yeah. And now he's staring with the trash can in his hand, staring after the truck. It's weird, and I like it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Should we keep going? Yeah. All right, let's go. Hey, John. Hi. We're 22 minutes and three seconds in. Yes. So we've not gone particularly far. Nope, not very far at all. But, so, I don't know what exactly what we just covered. But I do know that, um, so basically, the creepy husband is like, I must go to a meeting. And she's like, well, what meeting? I don't have to tell you everything. And then he goes off into a random car yeah, to a station. she, like, hugs him and he feels wrong or something. <laughs> he feel, she hugs him and she feels his head and she just freaks out. So she goes to her boss's house, who is Donald Sutherland. And they're having dinner and eating with chopsticks and just, like, talking about and she's explaining how it doesn't he doesn't feel right he's not the right person or he's not the same person and he she just has this feeling and so donald sutherland like in the first movie recommends she sees a psychiatrist because like you know in the first movie the main character was a doctor and and so anyway now uh donald sutherland has got to drop off his shirts to a dry cleaner and like the lady is like that's not coffee and he's like it is coffee stains i put it there myself as he goes to leave, the, the husband of the woman in the front 
And they're Chinese, but it's not like Chinese stereotype. It's just like a, the couple that owns this laundromat. And like the husband says, that's not my wife. I know. First, he says, "Are you a doctor?" Which is interesting because in the first movie, of course, the main character yeah. is the doctor. In this case, Donald Sutherland is not a doctor, <laughs> and but he's the uh, he's in like public health, health right? Yeah. He's in public health. Um, and this guy's trying to explain, "That's not my wife. That's not my wife." And we look over to the wife, and she's all creepy, um, like holding stuff, holding a bunch of shirts in her hands. But that means he's seen two people that have had the same quote delusion. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting and weird, and I like it. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I have to go to a meeting now. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. I'm you, not a pod person. You would never be allowed to leave, ever. Even <sighs> if you are a pod person, I'd just keep your husk and just Weird. keep you forever and ever and ever. Weird. I love your flesh. <laughs> and everything else about you. Well, not my brain, just my flesh. Definitely your brain. Um, I was thinking today of the first time I saw you and the look in your eyes. You're so cute. Just dead inside. No, you just were like so, I don't know, adorable mm. and expectant and like kind of shy. Yeah, I am very shy. Yeah. It's very cute. Mm. All right, let's go. John. Yes. We have our first dead guy at 28 minutes and 41 seconds. Yep. They're yeah. coming! The pod people are coming! He was in the first film. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Who did he play? Dr. Miles Bennell. Was he the main character? Oops. Was he the main character? Um. Wait, it says so at the top. Oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah, made, okay. That was the lead doctor. So, I th- I told you that. So, I'm basically... Like, he looks so familiar. So, his, um... So, the, the nurse didn't show up to work. Or the lady didn't show up to work. Donald Sutherland was upset. She finally shows up, and he's like, where have you been? And she starts crying, and she says that basically she followed her husband around all day. Because he's been acting squirrely, and he kept meeting with strange people in the sh- and sharing packages with each other. Um, and Donald Sutherland is driving her to a psychiatrist. And she's as they're driving, she's saying, "As I walk through town, I've I've lived in San Francisco all my life. People are acting weird. Everything is different today. I don't understand it." And as they're driving, this crazy guy who looks exactly like the guy, the main yeah. character from the first movie, says, "They're coming! They're coming! They're already here!" Yeah. And pretty much the exact same cadence is from the fir- the beginning scene of the first movie. Um, with his hair in his face. Yep. And uh, and then he runs away, and like 30 people chase him, and then a cop, and a car hits him, and then they drive around, and, they, and Donald Sutherland's like, oh, the police officer will help him, and then uh, Doodad is dead on the street. Yep. And there's just a crowd of like 50 people. Yeah. Just staring, creepily too. Not like normal staring, but like just dead face scaring. Yeah. They haven't talked about the whole emotionlessness, but it's definitely what's coming up here. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. All right, should we keep going? Yeah. Oh, my God, John. Yes. So, apparently, um, Luna Nimoy is the is the psycho- psychologist, and his job is to gaslight women who are trying to explain that their husbands are not real. Oh, the Lord's work. I know, and he's saying it's because people jump... It's because of divorce being allowed. Yeah. People jump in and out of relationships too quickly so they don't feel real. They don't think their partners are real. And also Jeff Goldblum is there being crazy. 
Oh, yes, and doing it very well. Yeah, he's doing a good job. Very good. John. What? We found the body that's kind of like Jeff Goldblum. Okay. So, and I love this. So, basically, the characters from the first movie, from the original, that were the friends that bring their doctor friend over because they found the body that looked like the guy but different. Yeah. Without any features. Yeah, he's smooth. He's smooth. And so now it's Jeff Goldblum, who is a poet. And it was a book release party that they had met him at. The whole place was super crowded where they were looking for Leonard Nimoy or whatever. So anyway, Jeff Goldblum's girlfriend owns like some kind of spa where there's mud baths. And it turns out that the naked male ass covered in mud that I thought we were going to see was Jeff Goldblum's. No. Was not. It was just a hairy old family. Yeah. Oh, boy. She didn't know how horny you were going to get. No, I mean, a little horny, but not that... I mean, I thought it was going to be pretty pretty horny, because this is like Jeff Goldblum Circa the Fly. I mean, Jeff Goldblum now is not too bad to look at. And now that you say Looking for Leonard Nimoy, I think that should be an album title. I think that'd be great. I'd be shocked if it's not already one. (laughs) (laughs) If you can hear a little clickety-clacks, that's Emma walking around the room. Um, so, yeah, this is an interesting way to d- keep the scene in yeah. while doing it. And so, meanwhile, the she's not the nurse, but I'm just going to call her the nurse, who's the, the one that works for Jeff Goldblum, that one that works for D- Donald she Sutherland. Works. Oh, okay. She is like, her husband has left her a beautiful plant and a little note to say that he's sorry for being a turd. It's a pod plant. It's a pod plant. Yeah, he's trying to convert her. Yep. There's well, lots uh, of pod people. Well, no, plus. Exactly. Should we Should we go? Should we do this thing? Should we go where? Watch the movie. Okay, oh, should that. we just stop the podcast and <laughs> watch the movie? Yeah, let's okay, watch let's the movie. Okay, let's do that. All right. Hey, John. Yes. We were speaking, like, during the, the movie. Yeah. But I just wanted to say, so we got the part where he goes to get the girl, and she's asleep, while the pod body, which which has no nipples, but the tits are out, is, in, is like, kind of becoming her. Yep. And so he grabs her and takes her with him. Meanwhile, Leonard Nimoy goes to check on the body at the mud, the mud salon place. And the body, he, Leonard Nimoy claims, has disappeared, but the door, the window is open, and the trash guys are outside putting these weird husks into the trash cans. Yeah, like they don't notice. It's odd that the the garbage trucks out in the middle of the night. Exactly. Oh no! And now look, the body that was the woman has been replaced and made to look like a body. Yeah. It, with like with stuff. And Leonard Nimoy is just upset. He's like, "You're crazy." Okay, let's keep going. So, John. Yes. About 10 to 35 seconds has passed. <laughs> yeah. We were watching commercials now, I guess. I didn't realize there was commercials. Yeah, it's... it went like half the movie without a commercial. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, it's on Tubi. So you don't think Leonard Nimoy is a pod person yet? I don't. I think he's just an arrogant psychiatrist. That thinks that everyone around him has gone crazy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like, oh, these crazy women think their husbands aren't real. <laughs> Well, women, right? I know, but it's like, you don't think... And he's like, it's just a mass hysteria based upon the fact that divorce is allowed? Yeah. He's got to be. I mean, you can't be a psychiatrist and think 
the world's gone crazy. Yeah, but that's the interesting thing about this movie is like, that Donald Sutherland, like, he sees, when he sees the body, he knows that the, everyone's been telling the truth. Yeah. But when you're a psychiatrist, you have to believe that you have one foot firmly planted yeah. in reality. The 1956 Spine Tingler. Yeah, it went exactly half the movie. So hopefully yeah. that's the only commercial. Yeah, we'll back. see. All right, let's go. I told you he was real. He <laughs> left them a flower. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy, he's... But it's weird because he acts the same as... I mean, he acts with emotion and, and anger and things. That's weird because that's the opposite of Spock. Well, yeah, but I mean, what I mean is that, like, he's acting the opposite of all the body snatcher people. Yeah. He's working for the body snatcher people. He just got into the car with them all. It's very clear his body well, that would make his job way easier if everybody were just pod people. I know. He wouldn't have to worry about their psychology. Yeah. Do you think pod people all have, like... Do they have personalities, individual, or are they, like... Yeah, because they said in the first movie that he acts the same. He has the same memories. He does the same yeah. things. But it just doesn't... No, I mean, like, if you're a pod person and you've been replaced by this organism that can replicate itself, and you're suddenly a creature that has feelings. I don't know if they have feelings. That's just true. They don't have emotions or feelings, but they have, like, human bodies and brains and hormones. I think, they're, I think they... I don't know if they have hormones either. They just look like humans? They make their own bodies, yeah. If you cut a pod person, would it be, like, chlorophyll and shit coming out? Maybe. Huh. Okay. More that's... like borophyll. Am I right? <laughs> let's keep going. We've, we've got some commercials, John. Yeah. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. You liking that? I'm loving it. So it's not the version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers <laughs> that I saw. Because nope. so, the pod, I, I recall the pod people going into people's noses. Um, and so basically, fuck, this movie is so intense because they have this, like, sonogram heartbeat sound while the body snatcher pod is trying to grow babies yeah. into making into you. And Lynn and Emo just came and gave everybody like gave some people some sleeping pills and then uh, and then like Donald Sutherland went into the went into the garden to take a nap. Yeah. And then we just had like ten minutes, I swear it was like ten minutes yeah. of him sleeping in the pod unfurling giving a baby that suddenly be- slowly becomes him and it starts writhing around but like the swedish nurse never went to sleep so she woke him up yeah and she's there what are their names the the last name of the people it's the same last names oh. as the ones from the last movie i don't remember but it's no. so good yeah well now you know the revelation that this isn't the movie is uh, join with the revelation is there's another body there statue is another one from 1993 so that's been added to the list that has been added to the, the list of, of remakes Destiny. oh my god this one's so amazing I hear the one from 93 is probably not as good mm. probably not probably not um, what do you think uh, I liked it so far oh. yeah I don't think it's as good but there's pluses and minuses so I think it's really good, but it's yeah. also doing something very different, being based in an urban... It's not urbane setting. It's just in a fucking city. Yeah. This makes it, do it to be a different thing. I think it moves a little slower. Oh, yeah. The first one was like an hour and 30 minutes, and it was oh, yeah. dense. 
Yeah, it was. This one has some slower parts, but that's true. But I kind of, I mean, it's it's not as bad as the other one we saw him in, where it's all slow parts and nothing and happens. You haven't mentioned that movie in a few weeks, so. I mean, I mention it every single time we have a podcast. Oh, you were just, okay, facetious much. Let's keep going. I was going down a Jeff Goldblum uh, rabbit hole. And so his family came over from Austria-Hungary, the part from Austria-Hungary, in 1910, which is around the same time my family came over. Yeah. And my family has a story about that. So, and, and it's interesting because his family's from like a financial center of Austria-Hungary. Um, and they came over in 1910 because of anti-Semitic violence. So my family's story is that, our, that Oliver Gross's father, Simon, right? Who is my, Oliver Gross is the father of my great-grandfather, so my great-great-grandfather's father, Simon, was the finance minister to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, or one of the finance ministers. And there was an, something that happened in which the, this is actually a historical event um, that happened around this time, but when the, <laughs> the prince of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so they had an emperor, and he had one son, wanted to marry someone that the emperor didn't want him to marry. And they, quote, committed suicide together because they, quote, couldn't be together. Oh, Romeo and Juliet style. Except they had been found beaten to death. Oh. Well, that's That's an extreme form of suicide. At the likely orders of the emperor. Killed his own son because of him wanting to marry someone that he shouldn't be marrying. And after that, people that were involved in the government in certain places had to leave really fast. Okay. Because they were accessories to murder? No, I think it's more that they were in the camp of the sun. Oh. So people that were in... So, like, the sun might have been in charge of certain parts of the government, including finance stuff. And if my ancestor was in the finance ministry and he was like, specifically, your boss gets murdered, you get the hell out of town. Makes sense. Right? So that's my family's history that we then found out later that, you know, Oliver Gross was a Jew. Simon Gross is the is like the first one and then Oliver. But they were Jews and they changed to Presbyterianism when uh when Simon Gross married the farmer's daughter and you know all that stuff, right? Um but anyway, in like they basically it's like they started marrying farmers. <laughs> farmers' why, daughters. Because why wouldn't you? I know, right? Farmer's daughter. That's in all the old Pentos and Playboy. Form. Exactly. But I, I don't know, it's interesting to think about these family histories that we have, right? Where it's like, who knows the real reason they came over? But if it's like the early 1900s in Austro-Hungary and there's this uptick in anti-Semitism, it's pretty likely that's the reason. But it could also be that this like story could have truth to it. Because it, parts of it are true. Like we, know, we can look into this and this guy was mysteriously found dead of a, quote, murder-suicide where he supposedly killed his girlfriend and himself. But he was covered in murder uh, wounds. Well, I would beat myself to death, too, if I <laughs> hurt you. Yeah, I would uh, hope you did. <laughs> and I would flee to Mexico. <laughs> You'd already be dead. No, if I hurt you. Oh. No, I would never hurt you. I don't even have a scenario if I would hurt you. Physically. Cause the most- oh, <laughs> honey. 
love you. I love you. I know. I'm sorry. And so, I don't know. I feel like... I, I, I guess I made that little joke, but it's... And then I was like, wait, I think that Jeff Goldblum's Jewish. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I googled it and I was... Huzzah. And, huzzah. We figured it all out. Again, I'm mar- a married woman. Um... <laughs> And I can no longer think about what I used to think about Jeff Goldblum. Oh, gross. Um, so let's talk about a Brewer's Brews. We've got about half an hour of the movie left. Yeah. But while our Brewer's Brews is still in our mind, what's the, the brand of beer that we mostly drink tonight? Oh, uh, I think it's been an equal mix of Sam Adams and Leinenkugel. Oh, yeah? I've yeah. been mostly drinking Leinenkugels. I've been mostly drinking Sam Adams. But I thought the thing we bought today at the store was Leinenkugel mix. It was. Mix. I drank a couple of those, and I drank like four Sam Adams. Okay, so oh, because I put them back in the fridge because I'm I'm a good wife. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was drinking I was drinking Honey Weiss. Yeah, from Line Googles. I drank a Porter from Line Googles. Google. Yep. Uh, dark Lager, yep. and I have Longboard Island Lager. That's from Kona, Kona. Kona which Brewing is very really Christmassy. Good. Our first Christmas together, Santa liked to drink this. <laughs> Yeah. So he, he got left a couple of these bad boys. And I like to reuse the bottles on there because they got a cool little Hawaii emboss. Yeah. And very pretty. So it's liquid aloha. Mm-hmm. And it's very nice. That's what I'm drinking right now. So that's going to be my our, our Brewer's Brews corner. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's your favorite of the night? My favorite beer of the night? Yeah. Well, I got to have an old Fezziwig from Sam Adams, which yeah. is an all time favorite. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, mine, I think, I think I've got a lot of affection for the Longboard Island Lager. Yeah. Um, and the snowdrift vanilla porter from Line Kugels. That was notch. that was really good. I'm a big fan of the dark lager. That was probably my favorite of the uh-huh. night. Um, but I think that we should keep going, huh? Yeah. All right, let's go. So at one point they passed a homeless guy that Donald Sutherland knows the name of. Yeah, he tried to wake him up. Um, yeah. Quickly. He had a nice dog. The dog was also having a nice nap. Yes. But there was a pod next to them. They decided not to wake anybody up. They left the pod there. Yep. And so they go into his office to hide. And this is where they've been. Um, and pretty much it's very similar to what happens in the original movie, right? Yeah. Like, they're hiding in the office. It turns out that they're found. Um, you know, Leonard Nimoy comes up. He's the psychologist that turns out to have been a pod person the whole time. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum, who is now a pod person. Who's now a pod, pod person. Not the woman, though. Not the wife. Nope. She's not there. Um, and so, basically, uh, Jeff Goldblum gets darts to the neck, and Leonard Nimoy and everyone else gets thrown into a freezer. Yeah. Because uh, they had a bunch of speed. And then, so when Leonard Nemo came in and gave them all, like, some kind of sleeping pill, they had five pills of speed right before that. Yeah. So their minds must be going everywhere. Yeah, they're doing fine. They're fine. It's fine. They cancel each other out. Purple and black. So, anyway, they leave. They run into the wife of Jeff Goldblum, who's like, oh, I've been wandering around these people for hours. You just don't show any emotions. Fine. Because she's smart as fuck. Yeah. And so they go wandering around, but so the fucking dog, aforementioned dog comes running around. In the first movie, what happens is they're pretending to be pod people. It's going well. And then a little dog almost gets hit by a car and yeah. the woman screams like a little bitch. In this one, the woman screams like a little bitch because... The dog is now got the face of the homeless man 
Because the pod accidentally did both of them. Yes, and I would scream as well. Oh my god. It was very uh It's like, what the fuck? And then like, it's like you see it, it looks weird, and then you realize what's happened. And it's like, it's not like they have CGI. They just made a face of a hobo. And then and put it on old, this dog, an and, actual dog. And then when the lady screams, an old lady screams, and Donald Sutherland punches her in the face. And you, I'd like to think that wasn't scripted, and she actually punched that poor woman in the face. Um, like, let's keep it. That's it. That's fine. I keep waiting for some creepy dwarf woman to come and cut him in the throat. Like, and what's what's that horrible movie don't look back don't look, don't now. look now it's so dumb anyway this is a much better movie than that yes it is <laughs> but it is well so now they're running away and everyone knows it's them you ready run away yep run away oh they got us again they did Don- I did not, oh i did not expect oh that. boy that was a good twist ending yeah. Should we tell people that there's going to be spoilers? Well, I think... <laughs> yeah, I think they know that by now. <laughs> so there's going to be spoilers. Uh, yeah, that's why we tell you the movie ahead of time, so you watch it with us. And you're not freaking out. Because you already know what happened. Yeah. So, wow, that was a wild ride. So we get to see... Donald Sutherland hiding a lot because his little girlfriend, not girlfriend, uh, who told him that she loved him. And then a little bit later, he said that he loved her a bunch of times. Um, He does the thing. He does the thing that they do in the other movie where he leaves her, in this case, in a bush to go find the um, to go find the bagpipes that are playing Amazing Grace. Yep. It turns out that was just the facility where they're sending a bunch of pods across the seas. Yeah. And so he comes back to find her. She's asleep and he can't wake her up. He knows he can't wake her up. So he just holds her till she dies and then implodes. Yeah, it just crumbles to nothing. Crumbles to nothing. And the other lady sits up and she's got nipples. And then we see her twice with nipples. Therefore, that's the two boobies. The other boobies don't count because they didn't have nipples. That's right. Nipples don't, or boobies need nipples. Boobies need nipples, guys and gals and everybody in between and outside of that. But anyway, so she's, Jesus. So, um, so she's trying to tell him that he should just succumb. He burns down the girl operation, um, goes on the run, is hiding under some, some planks yeah. underground and people are like oh he'll fall asleep eventually and then we see him well the, the way it ends is a guy is in that hole over the bridge with a flashlight and the light shines in his eyes and then it's the next day yeah but it, you watching it he's kind of doing some things like he sees his ex i guess his not really girlfriend but his like his like colleague that he was in love with yeah. he sees her turn off the thing that they had been studying and you see him make an emotional reaction, kind of. He goes, he was in his office cutting up some papers like he used to. Yep. Like, and then he gets up and he follows. And we were just thinking that he was being really good at pretending to be one of them. Yes. And then he goes into, and he sees the lady in the red dress. She's like, it's you, it's you. Yep. And then he points at her. And does the weird scream. He does the, the creepy, do. weird pod people scream. And, and she's just like, no! And that's the end of the movie. Cut! 
cut to fucking black. Yeah. Holy shit. That's a great ending. It was. I was definitely not expecting that. I was not either. But so, in the reviews, they said the ending was right, and I didn't even think about it until just now. So, you know, what? how do you compare this to the first movie? Um, I don't think I liked it as much as the first movie. Yeah. But it's still a good movie. Yeah, I think I really, like, I found them... It could have been shorter. I found the first movie one of the best movies yeah, I've probably seen. Yeah, it's hard seen. to imagine. I think they should have made it a little tighter, a little more condensed. Yeah. Well, the first movie was about an hour 30. Yeah, this was two hours, just about. And I think, it, yeah, if it was the same length... Oh, I think it would have been right on par. Yeah. Because I could have cut 25 minutes out of this movie. Yeah, I could see doing that too, but I also think that... They did a really great job making it in an urban setting, not yeah. urbane, urban, <laughs> instead of a small town, and it really does go well with the urban feel yeah. of what how, what how that might look, what it might look like. Yeah, they, all around it was a, a very good movie. Yeah, I thought so too. I would give it six out of six nostalgias. I'm a normal person, so I would give it eight out of ten. Eight out of ten? Yeah, I would say eight, eight, eight out of ten. I would probably put the uh, last movie, the first one, like nine and a half to ten out of ten. Probably I'd ten probably out. give it ten out of ten. It's almost yeah. a perfect movie. Yeah. I would say my favorite movie is still Shaun of the Dead, but <laughs> that's like one I'd want to watch a lot of times. I don't know if I'd want to watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers many times. No, I think once is enough. Yeah. I think the twists and turns are what make it. Yeah. And if I watched it over and over again, you'd lose that. Yeah, I think, but I think this one was great. I really like what they did with... That's something that's interesting that happened with the sound, where it's like everybody was getting turned. The sound of the of the heartbeat was just so loud. Yep. But then at the end, the heartbeat was barely even a flutter. You could yep. barely hear it. And that's kind of representative of the fact that they're not baby pod people anymore. They're just... Yeah. yeah, out of the womb, yep. as it were. So what are we watching next, huh? Let well, me next, see this. we go to the Stephen King film. There's so many films. And I have made the wheel of Stephen King Can films. Can I press it? Yes. It's films, and it's also mini-series of four episodes or less. Did we include the, the repeats in this, too? Or? Nope. The re- well, only if they were done by Stephen King. Okay. Like Children of the Corn went to the remake and sequel because oh, okay. he did not touch the other ones. But The the Shining is in this one? Wait, we never nope. did The Shining for the we podcast. We never did The Shining. So The Shining's okay. on here, and then it'll stay on here because he did the miniseries as well. Yeah. Okay. So here you go. Bonk. Spinning the wheel of Stephen King. It's very... Sell... I'd see this is one I didn't even know was a film. Wow. So let's find I out. I think I've seen it. <laughs> Cell phone plans, no? Yeah, it's hard to find. Stephen King movie. movie. There we go. Now we'll do it this way. It came out in 2016. Wow, that's recent. John Cusack is in it. Oh, is he the bad guy in Alaska? No. What? When a mysterious and cell Samuel phone. L. Jackson. I'm talking. I'm talking in the podcast. When a mysterious cell phone signal causes apocalyptic chaos, an artist is determined to reunite with his young son in New England. Are you ready to watch the trailer? I am. Well, let's turn this volume all the way up and let's play the trailer. Thing. Let's do it. Well, first we got to watch an all ad right. for IMDb. IMDba. That's I am Doug Benson. You're obsessed. Oh, it's rated R. Oh, no. That's always a good sign for Stephen This is a King. pretty new movie for us to be watching. Yeah. I hope we can find it. 
for not that much money. I will look it up while There I... are six billion cell phones in the world. Always doing FaceTime with his son. They connect us. John Cusack's in an airport. Airport? Airport. FaceTiming his son. What if they controlled us? Everyone got really weird with their phones. Because John Cusack was at a phone bank. Oh, oh, an airplane just exploded. Everyone holding a cell phone just died. Oh, shit. People are going to die. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Vudu. It's on Tubi. It's on Pluto TV. We can watch it. the sound of that. Oh, they got creepy voice-looking things like we just saw. Yep. No one's safe, John. They're bad boys. It's the cell phones turn people into zombies. He's so he's gonna try to look for his son. Do you think his son's also a zombie? Probably not. That'd be a dark ending. He's gonna see his son. His son's gonna be. It's Stephen King. Stephen King does do some dark endings. Yeah, he likes dead kids. Okay, let me rephrase. Stephen King, the man. Probably does not like dead kids. <laughs> no, I sure not. But for the person that just read Cujo, Stephen King seems to like dead kids. No, dead kids appear in Stephen King books on more than one occasion. I guess so. Something's happened in this. There's like lots of shooting of people. Samuel Jackson's there. It's Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, they already got me. I like John Cusack. Cusack or Cusack? He's Cusack. And Cusack. he's in a couple of Stephen King movies, Is too. he? What's the other one? Yeah, he's in uh, Room 1406, oh. Room 1406, it's called. I really want to see the one that John Cusack is in where he plays a serial killer in Alaska. Hmm. It's not a true story, you know. That John Cusack's a serial killer? Yeah. No, it's not. No, that is not your son. It's not a son. No, don't do it. So... Cell phones are bad. Well, okay. that's going to be fun. Hey, we didn't do grossest corner. What was your grossest corner from the show? Um, Probably when the lady melted into nothing. Mine was when he was like asleep and he was about to be taken over. And it, it was the flowers like inside part that had like pus and stuff on it. That was really gross. Okay. And I was like hard pass. So I'm going to delete cell from the list. And we're going to watch cell. And I'm going to add it to the other list. 2016 everybody. It's free everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's got an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I think oh, we're going to have a great time. This sounds fun. It's got 4.4 out of 10 on Imdba. Oh. Do you have anything else to say to our colleagues in the in the in the waves, in the podcast waves? Um, Do you want to tell them how to reach us? Oh yeah. They can uh, email at uh, up to and including death at gmail.com. Or they can tweet you at. Tweet me or uh, Instagram, IG me. Yeah? Yeah. All the socials. At yeah. Up, up to an ID with the number two. All right. That sounds great. Well, there's just two things left to do besides for Loki to hit the microphone. That's uh, stay scared. And stay married. Goodbye. Hi there. Trish here. John and I are so glad you've decided to listen to this episode. To contact us, please email up to and including death at gmail.com or hit us up on our socials up to an ID at just about everywhere Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that's up to and ID. And that too is the number two. If you have a moment, it'd be great if you can review us on iTunes as long as it's five stars. 
<laughs> Thank you to Stefan Kartenberg for the use of his song Fire and Ice in the intro and outro in the middle of our program. Uh, Fire and Ice is a rock mix by Stephen, Stephen Kartenberg, copyright 2017, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>